recorded live, Union Inn, Washington, D.C., 1112, 3rd Street, Northeast. We are Steps to Nomagayudet Metro. Nice brisk walk to Union Station and a leisurely jaw to the Capitol, Capitol Hill. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddy, host extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Guestbook Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, again, welcome to Guestbook Podcast. We have a very, very, very special episode for you because we have a very, very, very special guest with us today, a Mr. Thomas Niebel. So I met Thomas at a happy hour, I want to say two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. and he had a very, very interesting story uh, that I definitely had to make sure that I got him on the podcast. And here we are on St. Patrick's Day, 2019. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all y'all there, drinking all your green beers, wearing all your green and everything. (laughs) So what's this song, Thomas? This is uh, Black. By Danger Mouse. Okay. And who's the one that's singing? That's Nora Jones. Okay. Yeah. And um, why'd you choose this song? Well, fans of Breaking Bad will recognize it from the end of season four. And Breaking Bad is still my favorite show. But it's also a bit sentimental, particularly season four. Because when it came on, my mother was fighting lung cancer. And I'd... Uh, I watched it with her. Sometimes we were in a hospital room and would watch it on the TV there. And when she got out and she was staying on the Eastern Shore, I'd drive back each weekend from UMBC and I'd uh, record it on VHS. That's just how I worked it out and would watch it together. And um, yeah, so that song was a bit sentimental. Now, you said Eastern Shore, that's where you're from originally, correct? Yeah, I grew up in Salisbury. Okay. By Astique Island with the wild ponies, right? Uh, I didn't take a pony to school, but uh, <laughs> I did have a close encounter at the beach last summer. I was taking a nap after I took a dip in the ocean, and they walked a few feet from where my head was resting. We had to evacuate our spot as they raided for snacks and tore apart people's popcorn and such. Wow. And <laughs> now they're not dangerous, though. They just go for people's food. Though, they right? just wanted treats. So how'd they get them out of there? Well, we cleared out, and the rangers came in with their squirt guns and uh, slowly persuaded them to move along. Squirt guns. So they just shoot super soakers at them or something. Yep. That's, super soaking them. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, nice. it's a more natural beach, so it's it's a good alternative to Ocean City. So I'm from Silver Spring, Maryland. Which uh-huh. is just outside Washington, D.C. Yeah, more classy. Um, and my experience with the Eastern Shore, um, outside of the appraisal work that I used to do out there for uh, cold storage facilities, uh, was pretty much Ocean City. Mm-hmm. So for those that are unfamiliar with the Eastern Shore, uh, specifically when you get that far over, you know, like inland, uh, what is life like over there? Well, I tell people who are from 
Silver Spring or Moco that uh, I may be a little less civilized than you folks. I grew up in a very flat place. It's a small town, so honestly, it's just suburban America, but eh, there's some crazy people that come out of Salisbury. Like who? Like my friends. I know a few hooligans. Okay. Is it true that a lot of people out there, though, still like are, are, are quite fond of fishing? Among my peers, some fish, but I'd say I, I didn't grow up in a fishing village. Okay. So it's it's not our way of life. Yeah, but there's a river that goes through Salisbury, though, right? There is a river. What's the name of that river? That's the um, Wacomico River. Wacomico, okay. Because Salisbury is in Wacomico County? Correct. Okay. So do you mostly, when you want to go to the beach... Did you mostly go to Ocean City, or did you ever go up to Rehoboth? Oh, we stuck to uh, Ocean City, Maryland. Okay. Yeah, and all of its classiness. <laughs> but we have been going to more uh, Assateague, because it's, it's more relaxed, mm-hmm. less touristy, more nature for sure. So, back up a bit. For those um, unfamiliar with what we're talking about, um, Annapolis, Maryland is the capital mm-hmm. of the state of Maryland, um, and it's located right there along the bay mm-hmm. um, on the western shore but the eastern side of Maryland before you cross over the Bay Bridge which is Route 50. Then once you cross over the Bay Bridge you cross over Kent Island and then basically um, the road that you're on splits into two roads. One is Route 301 which goes north and the other one is Route 50 which you would think because even numbered street goes to the east which it does for maybe about a mile or so then it juts south um, as it goes around basically the point of Delaware, which juts into, you know, that area of Maryland, if you will. Um, and so it goes south and it passed through Easton, which is the capital, I believe, of Dorchester County. Um, and there's St. Michael's. If anybody familiar with the life of times of Frederick Douglass, that's the area they're talking about. Then you continue going south and you cross over, I guess, an inlet of the Chesapeake Bay. And then you're in Cambridge, Maryland. Uh, and then it makes another 90 degree turn this is where 50 starts going east again then you keep going and the next major city that you hit is Salisbury which is where Thomas is from um, and then around there you know if you go north I want to say maybe 10 miles you hit Delmar which is in Delaware if you go south you hit Princess Anne and all that stuff that's down there I don't even know I don't know Pocomoke City Snow Hill do those names ring a bell there are a lot of cornfields around okay <laughs> Uh, and if you continue on Salisbury, eventually they'll hit the uh, Atlantic Ocean, and that's where Ocean City, Maryland is. Now, there are two sides. There's a, what do you call it, the Isthmus, right? Yeah, that's what it is. So, yeah. and you, so it's a very thin strip, and you got the bay yes. and then the ocean side. So the bay is on the west side of it, and the ocean side is on the east side, where, you know, basically Ocean City that everybody knows and loves, the boardwalk and everything. But on the other side, it's a bay, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually quite wide. Um but what's interesting about it is that um, when you look at it, you're like, oh, man, you see boats on and everything. But in actuality, it's not all that deep. No, you can get pretty far out on the past I've kayaked out, and then you can hop out, and the water comes up to your knees. It's like a bathtub with a really squishy bottom. <laughs> and if uh, you, you, you have feet that uh, can feel like hands, you can sometimes feel around for clams. Isn't that right? That's right. I have a lot of experience not wearing shoes, so... <laughs> It turned out I was pretty good at finding clams. 
right and then people actually go those kind you can eat them and everything right like yeah clams casino it happened there you go um now if you take that isthmus and you keep going south eventually you hit Aztec island national mm-hmm. seashore and that is the area where he was saying that basically the locals go and that's where the wild ponies are and it's a i guess a national park if you will or a national yeah there's a state and a national state, side state. yeah there yep. you go um and then you keep going south and you hit chincoteague island mm-hmm. um i think we went there in is it high school or, or, or junior high yeah, like I think I did class yeah, or something like for that. Sure. Where you, yeah, because it's like very much untouched, mm-hmm. and you can learn a lot about biology out there. Yeah, you can gingerly touch the nature. Yeah. Then eventually, what happens is you keep going south, and then surprisingly, this area becomes Virginia. And then you keep going south, keep going south. You pass through Onley and Painter, and then. Uh, you keep going south, keep going south. Then you go across that river, that bridge, which is kind of like a. Parts of it are a bridge. Part of it is a land bridge. Part of it is a tunnel. And you do that like several times over a number of miles. And then when you eventually hit land again, you're at Norfolk and Virginia Beach. You I haven't, haven't been there. Have you? Uh, I actually took that once. Yeah. Um, I had a bunch of appraisals that I had to do down that area of Virginia. Do people that live in Salisbury do that from time to time? Take make that trip down to Virginia. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's uncalled for. <laughs> Spoke like a true Marylander. I feel you. That's right. <laughs> Once you graduated from school, you went to I guess UMBC. That's where I went. Yes. Okay. What'd you major in? I ended up majoring in biology and psychology. All I right. took a lot of classes along the way. All right. None in dance. <laughs> Do you wish you had? Hey, there's still time. What type of dance would you take? I have to see what's on the menu. You got any recommendations? Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Thank you. <laughs> I'm ready to ace it. Have you been on any interesting travels in your life? Some. Some that I could even talk about. Okay. Um, have at it. Well, um, I did go on a cross-country trip with my sister um, a number of years ago now. Okay. We um, took an Amtrak and we were able to hit like 10 cities. Did the train. I yeah. I like that. Cross-country. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a different pace. Yeah, it is. And it's it's nice from the ground. You can really see when you're going west, see when the trees drop off. And... Uh, yeah, it was my first time seeing the, the open sky, Southwest. Um, of course, we hit the big cities, you know, New York, Boston. So where'd you start? Well, we started D.C. Okay. Then where'd you go? And then we headed up. We hit New York. Okay. Then where? Then went up to Boston, spent the night there. Boston. Yeah, I said hi to my friend. Okay. And bounced out of there. We hit Chicago. Saw some of the um, cool sculptures outside they have there. It looks like uh, some sort of alien device, like a big silver jelly bean you can walk under. And oh yeah, that's yeah, um, there's a famous architect that, that uh, yeah that thing we got there part. in um, the bowl and yeah. Uh, did you eat, did you eat dish pizza? No, it was um a quicker run through. Okay, so you didn't stay the night there. You kind of like hopped on, hopped exactly. Off. Yeah, it was a day trip, right. and, and you did that for New York as well. 
Right. Okay. Uh, we did the Staten Island Ferry. Uh, you really can't see the Statue of Liberty from it. It's a tiny thing. Yeah. But it's a fun ride anyway. Okay. So hop on, hop off Chicago. Then where'd you head from there? So then we um, we went uh, southwest from there. Okay. And hit the Grand Canyon, which is, as you expect, awe-inspiring. Yeah. And uh, didn't only see it but we uh we walked it in a few spots okay i'd say take the opportunity to um walk around it a bit like we were able to it's it'll transport you it's more of an adventure i also um i walked it in my trusty flip-flops much to the vexation of my sister (laughs) yeah it's uh it definitely takes you out of your usual experience you know walking around cities and you feel the depth of it. So go and feel it. You can drink the water that they pump up. Oh, wow. So yeah. there's actually like yeah, well the, water there. Yeah. Okay. You can drink it in. After the Grand Canyon, where'd you go? Well, we had to um, spontaneously hit some of the filming sites from Breaking Bad, of course. Went to the White House, the Walter White House, and got pictures there. Which is, you know, it's right there. Basically, we were exploring a suburban neighborhood because that's where the house is. And this is like New Mexico? Or, right, yeah. Or Arizona? It, I believe, it is Albuquerque, I believe. Okay, New Mexico. But, uh, yeah, while we were there, this couple rolled up with their, like, little four-year-old kid. And they had this kid dressed up like Heisenberg in a trench coat and the hat and shades and... uh. We stayed on the other side of the street when they did that. I think they might have even drawn a goatee on their kid. Wow. But the, yeah, they got the photo op it. They went full Breaking Bad, huh? Yeah, with their little kid. Yeah. It was cute. And the kid is like what? How old? Oh, it was little one, like four years old. So basically the kid was a prop. Like he didn't even know what was going on at the moment. No, but I'm sure he'll appreciate it. <laughs> right? Enough. All right. And then from the Breaking Bad, you went to what, L.A.? Right. Okay. You knew it. And then? L.A. And then from there we flew back to Baltimore. Okay. Now, why would you go on this trip? Uh, my sister uh, took the initiative because I was going blind. I had a lost vision in one eye, and there was a chance I could lose it at any time in the other eye. And uh, as predicted, it happened uh, just a couple months after that summer trip. And again, this is six years ago now. Okay. So you said you were 23. Right. Wow. This happened, I guess, over the course of a very short period of time. That you went from having your vision to yeah. not having your vision. How long did that take? It was uh, about five months. Oh, man. So at the age of 23, in half a year, you lost your full vision. Correct. Okay. And did they figure out what was the cause for this? Yes, I did get a diagnosis. Um, they said I... Uh, May have partied too hard, <laughs> which is to say there is a rare mitochondrial genetic disorder called Leber's hereditary optic neuropathy. Whoa. Um, can you spell that for me, please? No, spelling's not my forte, okay. but I can say it's abbreviated L-H-O-N. L-H-O-N. Okay. And it's passed on maternally, so I wouldn't pass it on, but it is more likely to activate and wipe out the optic nerve 
in guys in the early 20s. And so was there anyone else in your family that, you know, in the past had this disease? There was no one of or is this something that... Only in my great uncle, of course, on my mom's side. And it was unusual in him that it, it didn't activate until he was in his 80s. So he was written up as a case study at University of Maryland. Interesting. And when did, when, when did that happen? Like when he was 80 and got, and got this, around what time was this? What year? Well, that was, it was about six months before it activated in me. So that was interesting coincidence. But still nobody put it together and said, Thomas, if you party this hard, you might go blind. I'm sorry. So when you say partying hard, that literally activated the disease. Uh, I don't beat myself up about it, but, you know, alcohol is a toxin. And uh, if you stress your uh, your poor little mitochondria, you might not be able to take it. So when it the first onset happened, mm-hmm. was did you notice this after a really hard night of partying? Or was this a random Tuesday you woke up? Maybe both. It was a random Tuesday. <laughs> but it was gradual also because it started in one eye and it starts in the, the center, in the fovea, where all the good stuff is, you know, your detail and color vision. And so at first I didn't know. It just started to become uncomfortable to read. And so there were several tests before I got a diagnosis. Hmm. And you said you found out about your great uncle when he got it six months before you got it. So I'm sorry with your great uncle. It happened six months before you got it. Were you aware of that before any of the symptoms onset in you? Or was it only after your symptoms happened that you realized that this happened with your great uncle six months prior? Uh, it did come up. We were having a, uh, a birthday celebration and it came up. So I was aware of that, but I pretty much shrugged it off as a risk to myself. I guess. Yeah. My, uh, my grandma put it that like, yeah, this could be something that happens to you. And so I was like, well, I hope not. Yeah. I mean, Carry on. Right? It's not something that... There was no condition there. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. You're, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that that was the first time you ever heard of it, correct? Correct. Yeah. It's it's pretty rare. It's like one in 50 or 100,000. Wow. And the interesting thing there is, you know, I still see some peripheral light detection but it's optic nerve, not my eyes, right? Looking at me, you wouldn't guess. Okay. So I guess let's try to spin this as pos- positive as we can. What are some of the hidden benefits of you losing your sight? Well, first I gained a lot of time that I was sinking into video games. And uh, more importantly, I... I mean, it, it might be, uh, sometimes the cliches are true. I am naturally less superficial when I meet people, when I talk to them. Right now, it doesn't matter to me at all how you look, how you're dressed. Uh, of course, you know, as far as aesthetics, I still care how you sound, which is pretty smooth. Thank but uh, <laughs> I, I listen to what somebody says, and I'm not distracted by their appearance. You know, it just makes sense, right? Yes, it makes perfect sense. It's how we all should be. Um, we are so visual, though. It's a problem. Um, 
so they say that when one when you lose one of your senses the other four peak up in terms of or you become more uh sensitive to the other four would you agree with that i think it's a misconception that you suddenly get super upgrades to your other senses for me it's uh it's about building skills and it's a gradual process of attuning more to the senses that you have all right so what are some some of the senses that you become more attuned to that you otherwise don't think you would have for me it's really just hearing more subtleties i uh my nose is still okay but it's a pretty tough nose i'm not easily offended by bad smells uh i mean if it's really bad uh i'm still gonna try to run away uh side note about salisbury after the welcome to salisbury sign you're greeted on the left by a small town police station and on the right by a purdue chicken factory so that's that's where i come from and smells there's a smell to it yeah yeah next time you're going to the beach take a little detour and enjoy where your chicken comes from yeah i'm not sure i want to do that it's pretty nasty yeah i can imagine it'd probably make me not want to eat chicken anymore if i went there i still eat chicken. which may actually be a reason to go there truth be told um yeah, it's another topic yeah it's another topic for another day where your meat comes from right um one of the things that you had brought up which um really really uh struck with me the idea of uh expectation versus reality mm-hmm. um as it concerns going blind but i mean really you can kind of apply this to anything in life for sure um i wanted you to expound on that for the listeners okay well once i got diagnosed and i had lost vision in one eye i could still i was still kicking around all right i didn't have a cane yet but i had stopped driving of course and um it was just kind of weird there was a phase in between where I could still see people but they didn't have faces so I experienced that for a month or two and I just thought hey I can still get around can't drive can't play video games but I'll be all right and I just thought to myself if I lose the other I'll be totally blind and that's gonna be an issue that's gonna be game over I just I couldn't imagine going on like that I figured it would just end all my plans in life as it was but then it happened one morning I woke up totally blind pretty much like walking in super heavy fog but that day I still had to go to class so that's what I did just moving extra slowly down the many stairs that the UMBC campus has and that was my first and it's a really important lesson that you really don't know what something's going to be like when you don't have experience with it. And yeah, you're right. It can apply to lots of things. We just, you don't know. And so six years in now, what are your thoughts? What would you tell you? What, what would you, what would you tell your 23 year old self? Well, you, you will go on. And it's just, it's not the biggest factor. It's not the most terrible loss. Honestly, it's, it generally comes down to logistical headaches at the worst. 
Uh, I mean, there are some other special cases, and I haven't personally experienced all of them, but it's really just figuring out different ways to do things. And there's some misunderstandings along the way, but no, it doesn't stop you. And there have been uh, some good surprises along the way, um, some great resources and friends I've met, trips I've taken. So it's the general lesson there is just don't get so hung up on one detail that you really can't predict how it'll be or how you'll react, how you'll adapt. That's great advice. Yeah, I've experienced it. It's a good lesson. Uh, I think viewers at home would be, or sorry, listeners at home would be um, intrigued to know that the primary way in which we've been corresponding to set up, you know, this episode has been via text. Oh, yeah, I've got an iPhone, and it's the preferred phone of blind people because just it natively has a, a voiceover mode. So you turn it on, and whatever you touch, it says it. And so, yeah, texting's fine, and uh, I've got descriptions for all the emoticons okay. or emojis, whatever the kids say these days. Yeah, so so when I send a smiley face with the colon, dash, and the in parentheses, what does that say to you? Oh, it'll say, you know, smiling face, smirking face, winking face, okay, face with party hat, kissy face. And does it have tone, or does it speak like a robot? Actually... Yeah, at first I thought there was only going to be a robot voice, but you've got choices these days. My favorite is the Australian female voice. <laughs> Why that? Well, it's not as good as a real Australian voice. I mean, Australian accents are sexy, but it's just the most smooth and human sounding of the choices. What other choices do they have? Oh, uh, English, you've got, uh, there's British, Irish, I think, um... Yeah, I, I found the one that works for me. Um, but yeah, it, it's, of course, whatever language you, you speak, you could just get the language. You know, if you want to do Chinese, it's there too. You know, or I guess if you want to practice your Spanish, you can just have it go in Spanish, get immersion. Last thing before we go into the seven questions, what are some tips that you would give the listeners at home in interacting with blind people? Well, one good rule is... Um, Go ahead and reintroduce yourself by name when I run into you. You know, I I do learn voices, but it doesn't hurt to just be clear. You know, little thing. Um, when you see blind people on the street, don't just grab them. Maybe talk to them or just ask if they want a hand with something or navigating first. And uh, there are a lot of resources, so if, if you or somebody you know is going blind, uh, don't underestimate that. I won't get into it too much right now, but there are a lot of uh, a lot of things to take advantage of that'll help you. When people meet you, do you find that people ask, "Well, what happened? How'd you become blind?" And like, if that is the case, do you find that you get irritated by? It? Do you not care? Um, that question it came up uh, more when it was first happening. Uh, I haven't gotten that one as much, but what I'll say is I don't mind questions, and I think that's. Something I've found in a number of other blind friends I've met that go ahead and ask away. It's all good. And not to get hung up on words like, oh, are you blind? Oh, visually impaired. Oh, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, generally blind is accepted, but if somebody's new to it, they might be a little like when I, when it first happened to me, I'd be like, oh, I'm 
not seeing so well these days. You know, there was a little awkward transition there. I'd say still don't sweat the words. Okay. And ask away. All right. You ready for the seven questions? Are you? Yes, sir. All right. Let's go. What's it called, y'all? It's the questions. It's the questions. Wait, it's the questions. It's the questions. Question number one. Book to add to the library. Well, I've got to recommend Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It's, uh, I don't have a translation to recommend, but whatever you pick up, it's going to be practical philosophy. It's a core text of Stoicism, and just any page, any line, it's, it's good stuff to get perspective. And it's, it's not like any other of these uh, later philosophical books that, you know, get caught up in, in words and make your head hurt. It's very straightforward and practical advice. You know, uh, the obstacles, the way, if there's brambles in the road, step around them and don't add, and why are there such things in the world? It's just, just full of line after line of things you can reflect on in your life. All right. Although, I'll add another if you want uh, something for the Twitter generation. This book is it's called Found... Lost and Tossed Writings. I don't know who edited it, but it's a collection of these scraps of notes that people have written. So it's it's humor. Flip to any page in that, you'll see these random notes that somebody has written, and you'll get a laugh. So okay, if you want something lighter, there you go. Number two, podcast to subscribe. I'm going to have to tap into my health nut side here and say... There are a couple I can recommend. Uh, Mastering Nutrition with Chris Masterjohn. He has... Master Nutrition? Mastering Nutrition. Mastering Nutrition, okay. Yeah. He gives practical nutrition advice, and his episodes are short and very short. So that's nice to pick up some tips about foods to eat, uh, occasionally stuff about supplements. And the other more holistic look at health, uh, the Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. It's nice because he gets, gives you a more holistic perspective, including you know, nutrition, sleep, and social factors, psychological factors, finding purpose. And he interjects enough of his personality, you know, interactions with his wife, his son, uh, memories from his childhood, like uh, how they didn't have Captain Crunch, they had the knockoff. Um, what was it? Admiral Crunch or something. And he has a pretty nice voice, too. Right. So I recommend those two. If you had to pick one, which one? Well, Master Nutrition is good if you have a lot of podcasts because the episodes are really short okay. and to the point. All right. Number three, something that you didn't know that you needed until you got it. A previous lover got us sets of outfits made out of bug netting. And for me, I'm not somebody that sweats the mosquitoes they don't like me that much maybe it's my body hair I don't know but I do get nervous about ticks so in the summer there's um I always wear the pants and they've got elastic at the ankles and uh whenever people see me wearing them they comment on the style so you don't have to worry you'll be uh still have some forced swagger if you wear them so they're called bug netting pants yeah um there's also a top with a hood I don't wear that one as much 
but yeah, just on Amazon, you can look it up and, uh, I mean, that, that's what they were called if I were putting Amazon, yeah, netting pants. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you can stop running in fear from the mosquitoes and you don't have to use the toxic bug spray and they come in different colors and all that stuff and they can be like stylish. I bet. Yeah. I, we got them a few years ago, but I'm sure you'll find some that fit you. Okay. Number four, bucket list place to travel. There's a place in the world that you have been to that you recommend listeners add to their bucket list. I've had some good uh, good times on Vancouver Island, British Columbia. It is beautiful. And one thing is there are thousands of caves on the island. Mm. It was, um, I had an experience just crawling through a cave for the first time. There's some tight passages. It really feels like you're on an adventure. And also, they have the the massive redwood forest. These again, awe-inspiring trees, and they have hollows at the bases of them. You can go inside. So the redwoods go that far up north. I thought they stopped in Washington. No, my ignorant American mind thought yeah. that we had a, we cornered the market on redwoods. You know? No, yeah, they. Um, I hear there aren't as many as there used to be, but it's still worth the trip. Okay. And this is on the. On the on Vancouver Island. On the island, yes. All right, yeah. Just another reason to go to Vancouver. I hear so much great stuff about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, number five, 50-mile detour restaurant. This one is, is not one I've been to, but... Well, you I, got it. Yeah, you have to have eaten there. Uh, it's a challenge. Okay. And it, it's a worthy point because, hear me out, I heard a review that this restaurant had uh, the second-best sushi in America, second only to someplace in New York, and oh, like Nobu or something. Yeah, maybe. Okay, but hey, we're we're in D.C. Correct. So we're already right here. Okay, but the ugly part is that it happens to be in the Trump International Hotel. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's a it's an ethical dilemma, right? That's but, actually very interesting. But right his, his argument in this review was that. You know, being where it is, already nobody's going there. So they're operating at a loss. So you don't have to sweat putting your money into that enterprise. And it is damn fine sushi. So it's a challenge. (laughs) Do you or don't you? Food for thought. (sighs) No pun intended. (laughs) Oh, man. Hold up, dude. No, it's so it's funny because I've had past guests that have wanted to tell me about places in the world they haven't been to. I'm like, no, you had to have been there or restaurants and stuff like that. But when you present this dilemma that you have, I may just let it slide. It's right there. And I haven't decided yet, but I do love sushi. All right. Hold on, dude. Uh, Sushi Nakazawa. Is that it? It was Tyler Cowen's Marginal University blog that I stumbled on this. You read a review that yeah. said that this is the second best sushi restaurant in America. Yeah, it's right there. Woo! Talk about a dilemma. And it's very empty inside. I can imagine. As you imagine. Yeah. Well, with most probably Americans, I hear it's 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 big for a lot of uh, certain uh, foreign dignitaries uh, tend to, to go there. Um. Not saying anything good or bad about them or anything like that. Just oh, uh, I, yeah. I found that they, from what I've heard, there are there, are, um, 
it is a favorite amongst certain foreign dignitaries. Mm-hmm. I don't know which ones, but mm-hmm. there are some. <laughs> All right. Um, number six, your number one skill is your number one honed craft. This is an important one. Kissing on the mouth. <laughs> you want to give us any backstory on that, or are we moving on to number seven? Maybe I'll show you sometime. No, I'm good. <laughs> Not on you. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe you'll get to witness. Okay, well, perhaps. Hmm. All right, uh, number seven. <laughs> What's number seven. Number one talent is your innate proficiency. Innate proficiency, I or disposition really is remaining calm and not acting impulsively whatever's happening for instance I I do startle easily so you know when you go down to like do laundry or something and you're not expecting somebody and then they they pop you turn around and they're suddenly in your face you know I I jump a little there but uh, you know just say suddenly boom you know a bomb exploded just outside in the street and I'll jump but I'm not going to run screaming and uh, and just controlling my impulses you know again there's it's a double edged sword because remaining calm and collected it's good because you don't add to a panic in a situation that is causing other people to panic but the downside is that I need to find times to properly express my feelings but it does prevent me from speaking or acting impulsively and doing things that other people do and regret. For instance, when I was driving, I never sweat the other drivers. And, you know, this isn't too unique to me. There's plenty of cool cucumbers around, right? But uh, it's something that I relate to. And just as an add-on, I... A a practice that I like to do to keep my ego in check and humble myself is one working out it's really humbling to see just this amount of weight in a short time you feel the limits of your physical body and you remember that you're only human and that can instantly put your runaway ambitions and ego in check and another interesting practice that I like to do more is kind of relates to a, a Buddhist meditation practice where you think think of people in your life maybe loved ones and then acquaintances and you just think where are they right now and you reflect on all these other lives that are as rich as yours everybody with their own ambitions habits dreams troubles and if you expand that to just how many people there are in the world right now it's it's pretty humbling and a bit awe-inspiring it's just too much for one mind to hold but it's interesting to reflect on you're welcome <laughs> on that note uh, is there any uh, social media or anything uh, that you want to share with the listeners at home if you have a burning need to contact me, you can just find me on Facebook. I'm Thomas E. D. Nebel. And how do you spell Nebel? That's K N E B as in boy E L. All right. Yeah, if you if you do want to know blind resources or 
if you want to hear things I can do with my hands or whatever, feel free to shoot a message and say, you know, where you heard me and why you're messaging me. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been yet another episode of Guestbook Podcast. As you already know, I'm the illustrious host and most and keeper Freddy. <clears throat> Thank you so much for listening. If you want to shoot me an email, holler at me, innkeeper at unionindc.com. That's U-N-I-O-N-I-N-N-D-C.com. Uh, you can hit us up on the gram, uh, union in, at unionindc. The podcast is at guestbookpod. And if you want to shoot me a message, I'm at Innkeeper Freddy. Thomas, thank you so much. Loved having you. And we'd love to have you back on again at some point, man, too. It's been fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining. And we will see you next week. Stay spicy. Maryland has some tricks, like there are two uh, trap Marylands trap. on each side of the bay. What do you mean trap Marylands? There, there's a a city called Trap. Oh, okay. And there's two of them mm-hmm. to um, to trick and evade uh, when they were doing shipments. They wouldn't, um, I guess, uh, avoid pirates. Basically, they would loot the shipments. They wouldn't know which trap Maryland they were going to. Very interesting. Yeah. I guess that's why they called it Trap, Maryland. Yeah, it's a trap. <laughs>